0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. player on the team for me is belly and it's the way he delivers them for real isn't like when he delivers his jokes there's no laugh and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight not. It, we deserve this win man box force 5 flying high in Motown oh my goodness I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate, and just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton.
0: Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs, just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, got Brian West on here, as we usually do. Bryant, you know, it's kind of tradition on this podcast, I guess, to ask how you're doing. But I don't know if I really want to hear how you're doing after this game. Like, <laughs> So so the Kings just beat the Pistons after losing nine games in a row. Um, but I think we're in agreement that like beating the Pistons in a really close game doesn't really mean anything. So I want to start with how is your season of Zen holding up right now? <laughs>
1: There is no season of Zen. No, I mean,
0: it's out it's all the about window.
1: Losses, about, <laughs> no, it, it, silver linings do not exist tonight. Um, you know, I've said all season long, it's all about competitive basketball games and appreciating the development of the long-term players on this team. But uh, congratulations, Sacramento Kings. You beat the least talented team in the league. Uh, Many props and congratulations on the four-point win against a team that had nine wins on the season. Uh, If you're one of those Kings fans that only wants to hear positive vibes, you should just stop listening right now because the Kings beating the Pistons changes absolutely nothing except we stop counting this losing streak.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, good disclaimer going into this. Um, I am also not (laughs) going to be... Saying really much of anything positive about the Sacramento Kings in this one. (laughs) Um, I I can't say that I was impressed by anything tonight. Uh, Second night of a back-to-back against another horrible team. And uh, it should not have been close against the Detroit Pistons. I tweeted out during the game, I've been watching a lot of G League stuff. And I think the G League game I watched today of two teams that are like 7-3. and So kind of top of the G League was a better showing of basketball than uh, this Kings-Pistons game. Um, I will also say that Brian and I have some drinks going on, so I want to get going at the beginning of this like what are yeah. what is what is your usual drink of choice, Brian?
1: Well, it used to be vodka, but over the quarantine, I have realized that I am definitely a bourbon man, and uh, right now I am heavily favoring uh, wood woodford drink- Woodford bourbon. Which I almost just said Woodard Bourbon because we only talk about Robert Woodard on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I
0: read your things as Woodard multiple times today. <laughs> I am deep in it. Let me tell you. So you, but you have you have ice in there, right? Yeah, a little bit. The first thing nice
1: big. The first one had the big nice round circle that I like to enjoy when I'm pretending that i'm fancy with my drinks and this one was just a get a piece of ice in here it's halftime and the kings are barely beating the worst team in the league yeah so let's go
0: yeah usually i'm a i'm a rum guy and you know i, I can drink that straight i've grown a liking for rum and you know I, i'm the baby here although i am of legal drinking age i will say i guess um but joking good qualifier the, there yeah yeah i'm the baby of king's herald along with san josh i guess um So I'm still new to discovering what exactly, you know, my drinks are, Um, but I feel like I have come around to rum a lot recently and uh, decided I needed to change it up a little bit and uh, went vodka. So right now I got a little bit of a vodka mix going on. Yeah. I always Um, appreciate
1: good vodka, uh, especially if it's in a screwdriver. Yeah, yeah. that's my probably my second go to drink.
0: There you go. Um, And man, I'm sure we are not the only Kings fans drinking after this game or in the middle of this game. I guess we can start with what the hell happened in this one. Um, Like, I I don't know where to start. At at the very end was absolute chaos. I guess. Um, With you know, there it becomes a free throw battle at the end, and I. Don't really understand why in the world Josh Jackson decides to try and miss that second free throw when they're only down two. Um, yeah, they did it
1: twice. I don't understand it. That's a yeah. tactic that you do if there's like a second left and you have no, no other alternative.
0: Yeah. And then there was also the, um, the foul on or so buddy he- Harrison Barnes had an inbound uh, side out of balance play that he got an easy dunk for I believe put them up four. Um, and then there's two free throws on the other end um, and then it comes back and Harrison Barnes goes for a three point attempt that he misses and buddy Heald has a putback that gets called a foul and an and one. Seem like it would put the game away. Um, the Kings are up. I don't know exactly how much, but it seemed like this would put the game away at this point. And uh, Detroit decides to review this. And I knew the very first time I saw the replay, I was like, there's a chance this is an offensive foul. Um, and sure enough, I don't know if that necessarily is the right call. I think there is an argument that it was both an offensive foul and a defensive foul. Like I think you. I think it was a no call. I don't. Yeah.
1: All of the contact in that play was incidental on both on both the end both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, but I can't tell you how much I burst out laughing when they called it an (laughs) offensive foul because I was like, "Man, this is really how they're going to lose their tenth game in a row," and they did it. They pulled through, Um, but man, this was an ugly one. This was such an ugly one. Um, They came out the gate really with some energy and uh, looked like they wanted to end this streak after just playing horribly um, against the New York Knicks the night before. And, you know, we're up 22-9 at one point in the first quarter. Um, There was really some great energy from the team. And Detroit was the team switching everything for absolutely no reason, which I can't tell you how much I enjoyed watching the other team do that. Um, and De'Aaron Fox had, you know, good matchups like Svee Mikhailuk, uh, Isaiah Stewart, um, even like Josh Jackson, Mason Plumlee stand no chance guarding De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Um, Either did poor
1: Sadiq Bey in the open court.
0: Yeah. Um, so they took advantage of that. And then the second quarter, it was like, all right, well, so the Detroit's probably going to come back. And sure enough. You, you knew how this game was
1: going to go. You really did. I mean, it was, you know, I, I don't want to truly say that there were no silver lightnings because, uh, you know, Rashawn Holmes gave a fuck tonight. He was really damn good on uh, 19.17 rebounds, two blocks. I do want to say that the foul calls on Rashawn Holmes just made no sense all night long. I didn't understand any of them. Um, Garen Fox gave a fuck in the second half, 27 points, six assists. I mean, he was just nine of 12 from the field. So that's still a little concerning, but that's impressive enough. Uh, Harrison Barnes had a really impressive stat line 21 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. But I think that's
0: it. Yeah. No, Tyrese Halliburton obviously made it a pretty rough watch. <laughs> uh, he was part of the Zen season, you know?
1: Yeah. It's amazing how much less fun the Kings are to watch when
0: a rookie isn't in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how much purpose there is of diving into this game. Um, I, I don't know if there's other things you want to point out in this one. Like I will say like Bagley put up a good stat line, but at the same time, like while he was putting up offensive numbers was while Detroit went on their run because Bagley's not exactly very good at defense there were a
1: couple moments tonight where i was like all right that was okay by bad, okay defense by bagley and then there were just other moments where it was like well you still don't know what you're doing so yeah it's a very you know one last thing on this game for me um the pistons are a team that can enjoy a season of zen um they were 9 and 23 coming in this game and you would have never thought it considering the intensity and the physicality that they had they're a team that lacks talent and they didn't play like it tonight. So, um, but uh, you retweeted this after the game. I do think it's hilarious that Taron uh, Fox, quote unquote, it's not much of an accomplishment.
0: Yeah. This win. Yeah. He said this in the post game with Doug and Mark. And like, you can't blame him. Like, he looks like annoyed that he had to do that post game interview. And mm-hmm. I would be too. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and after the ninth loss in a row against New York, when you gave up 140 points to the team with the worst offense in the NBA, um, there were definitely some quotes getting thrown out. Um, Harrison Barnes was pretty vocal talking about, you know, it not being an effort thing and it being more of a low IQ issue. Um, Harris or Darren Fox made some comments about it being, you know, middle school issues talking about offensive rebounding and boxing out um and man i can't tell you i i don't think that they were in doing this but i can't tell you how much it sounded like these were directed at but marvin magley and buddy healed
1: yeah everybody who can read knows where those quotes were going
0: (laughs) yeah and man so a lot of the talk after the next game and i don't think anything should change after this Nail biter, I guess, against the Detroit Pistons um, was, you know, is this the end of Luke Walton's tenure? Um, and I don't know about you, but going into this year, I was kind of like, this is the last year for Luke, no matter in my mind, yeah. unless there's some outlier circumstance where he really leads this team to whatever, some unreasonable playoff birth um, and like, I guess, promising first round or something like that. Um, but I think, you know, I might have gotten a little bit clouded by seeing Ryan Saunders let go of unexpectedly, but at the same time, they clearly had a plan B in place where they just signed Chris Finch instantly Um, after the New York game. And even right now, it's only a day later. How do you feel about, you know, placing uh, blame on Luke Walton compared to the players?
1: Luke Walton doesn't deserve all of the blame for this, like. We can admit that Luke Walton is not a good coach. We can admit that Luke Walton is a serious issue with this team. And I think we both agree that if Luke Walton is the coach of this team next year, we're going to be in a much worse place. We can also admit that the flaws that the Sacramento Kings are really showing during this nine game losing streak that they just broke were things that, well, I mean, how many of the games in that, in the last 10 were competitive three of them it doesn't you can't you can't fix effort intensity physicality with just a coaching change and if it does i mean it, it says a whole lot more about your players than the coach so you know i'm of two minds i i know that luke walton if you're just looking at the success of this team at the future of this team luke walton should be fired um but at the same time, you can't consider that a Band-Aid. It's not going to fix the fact that this team is listless and soft in a lot of the games. It's not going to change the fact that the Kings have five good players and a couple handful of maybe okay guys. And that's it. This is a very um, not talented roster. you know. And there's so many different considerations when talking about should Luke Walton still be a coach of this team, I know a lot of fans just want to be like, "Nah, keep Luke Walton. He's leading this tank job. And as much as I want to champion a super high selection in the 2021 NBA draft as a long-term answer for this team, we need to accept the reality that while we may be fine with losses, the Sacramento Kings shouldn't be fine with losses. I mean, if we accept that most of these Kings and Luke Walton will be here in Sacramento when they reach a playoff, the 10 game losing streak is still going to be draining for the psyche of all of these players. I mean, a night game losing streak. Um, so while I might be fine with continuing as fading for Cade Cunningham and moping around for Evan Movi- <laughs> uh, I also very much do worry that the tanking discussion loses focus on the dudes in the locker room. So um, this team can't just dissolve into three months of Minimal effort and expect that a new coach and Cade or Mobley or Jonathan Kaminga or Jalen Green is going to fix everything. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, there's so many on one hand. On one hand, it's it's a really messy situation. Um, if I was in Monty McNair's shoes, I would probably move on from Luke Walton. But if he doesn't right now, right now. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to throw my hands up and be like, what is Monty McNair doing? Cause it's just like, this team's not that good and no coach is going to make this team good.
0: Yeah. And part of me wonders, like, you know, there, there's clear effort issues from some of these guys or, or yeah, from some of them, from the guys that are, I I would classify as, I hate this terminology, but I haven't figured out a better term. um, The high IQ guys There is like effort issues sometimes, you know, Fox, Mm -hmm. Barnes seem unengaged sometimes um, on the defensive end of the floor. Specifically, you know, they're kind of upright. I think that and Fox, like like I said, Detroit was switching everything the entire game. And it's like in the fourth quarter, it was obvious he could do whatever he wanted. I thought he could have done that the entire game long. Um, So I, I think there are things you can point to as effort issues. Um, And and part of me wonders, you know, are they uninspired by the coaching staff? Do these guys realize that, you know, this roster simply isn't good enough for, you know, their effort to really mean anything in the long term? Um, I I think there's a lot of factors that could go into it. Um, I when it comes to the Walton situation, I don't think I mean, he can't get the blame. Fully for what's going on right now, the same way he didn't deserve all the praise for when they were on their seven of eight game winning streak. Um, I I think, you know, it has to fall on the players for reasons Mm -hmm. that you said, reasons that a lot of media has um, redundantly said that, you know, I mean, you have to go out there and want to win games. Like, while they're not a talented roster, they're a better roster than New York and Detroit, and they're like reasonably better than Detroit. It should not have been a close game. Um, Even
1: without Tyrese, situation. yeah,
0: a close kid. It's embarrassing. It's truly embarrassing. Um, yeah, there, there's no reason that that should be happening. I don't mind holding on to Luke Walton. Um, I've said it a few times. I can't point to a situation where I feel like Luke Walton has optimized a player, but I can point to a few situations where I feel like he's misutilized someone. And I think that's an issue. You know, when you can look at like the free agent coaching market and be like, you know, there's a handful of guys that are better than our coach right now. I I think that's a problem, but I don't think that letting him go right now compared to in the off season is like limiting your opportunities of who you're going to get. I mean, people are going to, aren't going to like to hear it, but Luke Walton's actually helping the losses right now. And I don't know that I mind that. Um, And, You're like, I thought a loss to Detroit might very well mean the end of Luke Walton, but we're so close to this, um, this all star gap where it would also make sense to just kind of hold on. Yeah. Nothing about
1: this game changes anything for the long term franchise decisions that Moni McNair has to make. Um, and it, it's truly a listless situation. There's no right answer here except for get into this offseason and trade half this team. So yeah. I definitely think if anything, this nine game losing streak proves once and for all that the Kings need to be sellers. They need to they need to get any kind of value for the players that they have that win now teams
0: could want. So do you include Holmes in that, like potentially? I, if I was
1: Monty McNair, I would absolutely listen to offers for Rashawn Holmes, but it would have to be what I consider a big win kind of offer because I really do think that he can be a guy who you re-sign this offseason and is here when the Sacramento Kings make the playoffs. To me, he's not Harrison Barnes. He's not Buddy Hield. He's a guy with a skill set who always gives a fuck. And honestly, is he the only king that efforts never a problem? I think he is. Tyrese Tyrese Halliburton, but I mm-hmm. mean, losing Rashawn Holmes would make this team completely rudderless for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to do that.
0: Yeah, Chad says, "Hey guys, why do you guys seem so down?" Um, <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm not sure how to answer that question. Um, <laughs> because yeah they, they beat the Pistons good for them um yeah so I my my curiosity with Holmes um, question I've kind of been debating for a little while here and I'm just going to go in random directions tonight with this conversation because whatever that's what happens on buzz night yeah who cares um if resigning Holmes you potentially have to move on from one of Heald or Barnes financially to make that work this offseason right yep if what it comes down to is getting rid of one of those guys for nothing but an expiring deal a dump in order to re-sign homes if you have to choose between dumping i guess let's say buddy healed dumping buddy healed for an expiring deal nothing but an expiring deal um and obviously you know it's a complicated situation you probably aren't able to do this exactly you're choosing between that or letting Holmes walk where do you hit
1: it's trading buddy for expiring I don't even hesitate because at that point you're really just having to decide between Rashawn Holmes or Buddy Heald and that answer is easy for me
0: yeah yeah no fair enough um And obviously the question becomes more difficult if we're talking parts, right? Say nobody's interested in Buddy because his deal is viewed as a negative. Which I don't think is necessarily the case, but it might be.
1: You know, I keep saying it on every podcast, but I, I truly struggle to think that Buddy Hield has no value in the NBA right now. Only because the Kings are so bad. And there has to be some general manager out there that looks at Sacramento and just thinks, I can fix Buddy Hield. My coach can fix Buddy Hield. So I don't know, maybe that's the last uh, string of optimism I have for Buddy Healed, But it's just impossible for me to think that they'd have to just dump him for expiring. But if it comes to that, hey, bye, buddy. Thanks for uh, two very enjoyable years. Uh, I'm sorry that whatever you had going the last couple of years just absolutely vanished this year.
0: Anyone in the chat, by the way, uh, definitely feel free to shoot us questions and anyone listening on um, whatever platform as a, as a podcast, we definitely stream live after games on Periscope. So definitely stay on the lookout for that. Um, I I do want to ask you like Holmes is probably, you know, somewhere around like the 15th to 20th best center in the league, but how clouded is Sacramento's fan base's judgment of Holmes because of their inability to sign competent big men? Because like center is the, probably the most replaceable role in the NBA, but I think it's easy to forget that when your big men have been like Hassan Whiteside, Chemezi Metu, I love Harry Giles, but he was pretty rough um Sacramento hasn't done a good job of signing replaceable big men but there really are like a lot out there
1: yeah it's really fair but at the same time I think the greatest evidence against that point is just how many years did the Kings try to sign journeymen big men and only have Rashawn Holmes be competent so I'm you know I I would probably say that Holmes is better than 15th best starting center it's like right around that range but mm-hmm. to me like he's only 26 whatever contract you give him you can still utilize him uh no matter how this team develops going forward like there's nothing that the kings can do in the draft or in free agency next year where Rashawn holmes is just utterly redundant and has no role on this team um and there are gonna be if we're in a couple of years, there will be smart general managers that see the value in a guy who really can switch with some degree of success, who really has developed a way to impact the offense without being right around the basket. And a dude who's, I mean, Rashawn Holmes's um, ability to box out is probably the most under-heralded skill on this team. I just refuse to believe that there won't be a market for him regardless of what the King signed him to. I can't see him becoming a buddy healed contract where we're worried about just having to dump him. So, yeah. you know, you keep throwing out that $15 million range. That's about where I'd be really okay getting him any more than that. I'm going to see the argument against it, but it's really hard for me to, want to go into this offseason and not resign the only dude who has been consistent over the last two years.
0: Yeah. Um, totally fair point. Uh, Patrick Burns in the chat also points out, well, we also had Willie Colley sign before Holmes. Yeah. I, I, gla- I happily forgot about Willie Colley science. So I appreciate you for <laughs> reminding me. Um, uh, another thing we have here in the chat, can we talk about the stick Bagley in the corner offense that Walton runs? Um, I, you know, Bagley has obviously progressed a lot as a three-point shooter. My issue with Marvin Bagley is something that you pointed out on Twitter, um, and you didn't point it out as an issue, but you were like, you know, the Fox Bagley pick and roll has been really effective tonight. I think you said something about the only effective offense or something along these lines. Mm-hmm. And I do not understand why we have not seen that throughout their careers. I get, you know, ideally in a pick and roll, and this was like an issue with Cat D'Lo also you want one of them to prefer to roll to the basket and the other one to prefer to pop. With Cat D'Lo, they both wanted to stay on the perimeter. With Fox Bagley, they both want to drive. Fox has developed a jumper a little bit, but at the same time, like even if maybe it's not ideal, you run that. Bagley should be a roll man. Yes, absolutely. It has never made sense
1: to me. Like the the moment that the Kings drafted Marvin Bagley. And they had Dave Yeager, whose main offensive weapon was the pick and roll. I thought this was the most clear pick and roll combo that the Kings had had in decades. Like I I don't understand it other than, you know, Marvin Bagley didn't pick and roll that often at Duke. He really didn't pick and roll much his first two seasons. Luke Walton's not using it that much this year. The only thing I can think of is that Marvin Bagley actively hates being the pick and roll. Dude, and the fact that he slips every dang screen is evidence of that. But some coach at some point is going to get it into Bagley's head. Dude, you are faster than 90% of the big men you're going to go up against. There is no logical reason why you can't be an extremely positive pick and roll player. He needs to realize that. The Kings need to realize that. Their future coach needs to realize that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the Halliburton makes big men look really good in the pick and roll, and the Halla Bagley pick and roll that we saw at the beginning of the year looked really promising. Um, we saw with Holmes too. Like at very least, run those two because Halliburton is probably already the best pick and roll player that the Kings have. Yeah, and it's so
1: good to finally see Tyrese Halliburton playing with a center who can actually catch his passes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Where I'm at, um, wh- when do you get to the point, you know, we've been preaching patience with Bagley, understandably, very much so. When do you get to the point where you kind of are willing to, you know, throw in the towel on Bagley? He's still really early in his career, obviously. Um, missed like the entire second year. Like I understand viewing this as his second year in the league and he was a really raw prospect in the first place. But when do you get to the point with Bagley? And, and you know, he had a good offensive night tonight. So I, I could see why people are thinking this is a weird time to talk about this, but I actually think he was really horrible on the defensive end as well. I thought he was horrible um, on the defensive end in that New York game um, where he's sometimes a little bit of a liability to be out there. Um, wh- when do you start to reach a point with Bagley where you are really, you know, kind of willing to call it, move on from him.
1: When you get a trade offer that may, that's when you throw in the towel. I mean, the Kings aren't suddenly going to become good enough where Marvin Bagley needs to stop getting minutes. That's just not happening this year. So the patience has to exist until you tr- you have an offer that makes sense to trade Marvin Bagley. And we can go back and forth on what that value is. But until Monty McNair gets that offer, you have to keep giving Marvin Bagley 30
0: minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. And yeah, I don't know what else to say, man. I mean, the, the Kings, anybody that's looking at this win optimistically, like, I'm sorry. But they made Dennis (laughs) Smith Jr. and like just or um, Josh Jackson look like decent NBA players in this game, and I just don't. I'm gonna have a
1: big. I'm gonna have a big drink to that because those were two of my picks
0: coming out of the 2017 draft. I actually I remember looking at because obviously you know my little bit of Celtics background, and they had that three pick. And I was um, very much like, man, I think I, I'm pretty sure I like Josh Jackson better than Jalen Brown. And that went horrible. That you went mean Tatum? Horrible. Tatum. Jackson was the
1: same as Brown, no? No, that was a year before. Tatum was the same year as Josh Jackson. Are you sure? Now I have to I am this. Buddy, I'm the- You are the draft guy, the to be fair. I, no, 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 no. It's not even the draft. I am the dude with the worst 2017 draft big board out there. Oh, you're right. How did I mess this? I up? can be wow. I can be drunk off bourbon, and I will never forget <laughs> how shitty my big board was in 2017.
0: Yeah, you got me. You got me. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, speaking of, you know, I guess if we want to look at this optimistically, um, the Kings have some really good odds right now in this draft. I'll do one tankathon sim live. Um, and see how this goes jumped up to the second pick. Evan Mobley, they have oh, a six sixth odds I, right now. Every time I, I do this what we're they gonna jump do. up. Every time they do this <laughs> they jump up. And I swear they are not going to on draft night. I'm going to be so sad. Um but man, I I mean they're getting into decent draft position. And while like there is a pessimism around the roster right now, I I think Fox Halliburton moving forward is a really good core. And if you add one more guy to that, like, like PD said, when we had him on here, I don't think the Kings are far from being in a really good spot for the future. I think it's, you know, moves um, when it comes to being sellers at this deadline, which I think is, you know, fairly easy to do. There's not very many sellers um, and just, you know, really adding a high level talent, a top five sort of pick and you're in a really good spot for the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially if you get one of those top two picks. Like, um, if you get Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley, the ceiling of this team just skyrockets. Um, And I feel like from now until draft day, it's going to be trying to convince ourselves that three through five has that same kind of impact. I don't think it will, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's probably not the same. But it's still very notable impact, you know, and it and it seems like Vasini put out a big board today. And, you know, he kind of said the top five he felt like was um pretty loaded, and then it falls, um, falls after that in his five was obviously Cunningham Mobley, which seemed to be the very clear one, two, as we're talking about. And then uh Suggs, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, Jonathan Kuminga and Jalen Green. They're both in the G League. Um, and Kuminga is the very obvious fit for Sacramento. Um But I I think, I mean, if you're sitting there at four or five, like it's kind of hard to pass up on those two, even though there are more ideal fits when you're looking at like Zaire Williams, Scotty Barnes. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I think Moses Moody has interested me, even though like, I feel like in recent days he's kind of fallen a little bit more (laughs) for me. His, uh, his uh, conference stats
1: have not, been as impressive as I was hoping, um, but you know, Sanvassini's seen every minute of Moses Moody this season. I have yet to watch more than three Arkansas games, so he still has. I think he has him like thirteenth or twelfth or something like that. So, um, Kings are kind of playing themselves out of that draft range. But had Zaire sixth. It's going to be really interesting if the Kings stay in this kind of dead man's land to me of like six to 10. It's going to be really, really interesting to have player debates because nobody in that range is really, at least the ones that I've considered in that range so far, I don't want to pretend like I've done a full season's worth of draft research yet, but the players in that range
0: are all going to be quite a discussion. So look at us doing draft talk. Brian, I'm telling you, we're going to have to do more profiles. I I do not know what other content we're going to be putting out because the Kings suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, suck.
1: And, and at some point now, we're going to be having a bunch of trade discussion podcasts and Luke Walton is fired podcasts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the
1: fans the the fans who listen to the podcast really should tell us what they want to hear. I do agree. you guys want to hear? Do you guys want to hear us get drunk and pretend that we're optimistic about this team? I don't do know you if we can to do
0: that, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> with enough, with enough alcohol. Yeah, fair enough. With enough viewership support, I, I guess I could, I could pull through <laughs> on that one. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I'm not ever gonna be the fake the optimism guy in the
0: Sacramento media sphere. Yeah, upcoming games. Um, they they play. They have a, two games at home coming up, the 28th against Charlotte. Um, I'm going to be, battle so, of the I'm of the gonna be
1: so mad if we don't get LaMelo versus Halliburton in that game. Yeah. You, I will give Tyrese Halliburton my calf if it means he will play <laughs> in that game.
0: I, You know, uh, another thing here, I guess. Do you feel like... If you were a betting guy, I don't know if you are. Do you bet on Halliburton winning Rookie of the Year or no? No. I agree. I wouldn't bet on it. I you know. I'm not going to pretend like I've watched
1: more than two Charlotte games and a bunch of LaMelo highlights. Uh, as somebody who's watched all of Tyrese Halliburton's minutes this season, I would pick him. I don't think he'll win it, though. I don't Chat's agree. cracking me up. Optimism is bad, but getting drunk off bourbon is good.
0: I very much <laughs> agree. I very much agree. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that Halliburton wins Rookie of the Year. I think he might be the most impactful rookie right now. Um, but I think you know these thirty-plus point outbursts that you're going to see from Lamelo or or even Anthony Edwards is coming around this year, um, and more highlight plays, like classic highlights, rather than. Us nerding out saying, Oh my God, look at this defensive rotation from Tyrese Halliburton. Um, look at these efficiencies. Right. Um, look he's at more of like as a shot maker. Right. LaMelo and Ant are more classic highlights and they're going to put up some absurd single game numbers. And I think those guys end up winning out. Um, Halliburton definitely has a shot. Definitely has a shot. He's gotten a lot more national recognition than I expected uh, being in Sacramento. But yes, I would also bet against it. I I feel like LaMelo is probably the guy, and it's going to take a lot to uh, really get us out of that. Uh, Yeah, the LaMelo hype is out of control, says the (laughs) chat. It's very similar to what we saw with Zion last year.
1: I I do want to say LaMelo's good. Like we can, we can say that he is a dude who gets a lot of hype because he's really easy to look at his highlights and be like, wow, this guy's good. If you look at the numbers, they're not as efficient as Tyrese Halliburton, but LaMelo's good. You don't need to, we can agree that they're both good while still making the
0: case for Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I, uh, I feel really good right now about LaMelo being my number one guy in this draft. (laughs) Um,
1: I feel really good about Anthony Edwards being my number one guy. Understandably, I still do.
0: Understandably, um, do you have anything else here before I uh, I give him a little bit of notes on what I've seen from Woodard Ramsey?
1: No, talk to us about our future. We're going to totally change this to the Austin Spurs Pulse podcast.
0: Yeah. Oh, chat says Charles Barkley said quickly is number two and ball is number one yesterday on TV t- TNT. That's because Charles Barkley doesn't know that Tyrese Halliburton exists.
1: Yeah. The last person I want to hear talking about the Sacramento Kings is somebody who is on that
0: joke of a TNT
1: halftime show right now.
0: Minority owner, Shaquille O'Neal, doesn't know the first name of Holmes. The names, the people who got thrown in that, like what's the first name of these of these guys was Monk, Malik Monk, right? Um, Rashawn Holmes. I don't remember who else, but they were not difficult guys. Is my it's point.
1: embarrassing. I cannot believe that TNT thinks that let's show off
0: Shaquille O'Neal's ignorance is yeah. a funny thing. I can't believe that. <sighs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So what I want to say about Woodard Ramsey, and I'm going to write about this, their roles have really changed recently. And I don't think it's for the better. Um, for Ramsey, we saw Amir Coffey get recalled to the um, LA Clippers. He's on the Agua Caliente Clippers right now um and then amir coffee ended up going back to the g league once coffee left ramsey was able to have the ball in his hands a lot more um he made quite the face there i was also very shocked to see coffee i didn't in know the that g g was a today. thing that could happen me either and he was back very quickly um so yeah i was very surprised by this and the clippers are a bottom four team in the g league um they're not good in the first place they have jalen smith on the roster by the way which is like the most random thing ever hey. coming off the bench he's like the seventh guy which makes no sense um the yeah. seventh guy he doesn't start he doesn't start Um boy
1: you know as somebody <laughs> who was relatively high on jalen smith in the draft is phoenix is phoenix just kicking themselves right now dude i oh.
0: With Eaton, that was the most surprising draft pick. I can't tell you how excited I was. I was like, oh, my God, this means we're getting Wait, Halliburton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because when Phoenix came on the clock, it was like, OK, well, one of them takes Halliburton, the other. And then San Antonio's next. The other one takes Fasel. And um, yeah, anyways, got very lucky there. Um, but Jemais Ramsey is not able to have the ball in his hands. Um, as much as you would like anymore, because there is, um, like I said, Amir Coffee. There is Jordan Ford, your guy on that team. Um, there is um, why is there one other name I'm forgetting here? Um, that is also a pretty promising guy on that roster that is a guard as well. Um, I'm loading it up right now here. He played Tyrone Wallace, who also played in the NBA for a little while on, uh, on a team of, uh, I guess I don't want to misquote exactly what team it was. Point is there's a lot of guards on this team and Jamias Ramsey is a scorer that needs to ball, have the ball in his hands. Um, I think that he definitely needs to develop as a playmaker. I think there's potential for JR to kind of be a point guard of sorts, a backup point guard. I'm intrigued by his vision. But him not being able to have the ball in his hands is detrimental to him. And it also just has limited the minutes that he's gotten. Um, don't get me wrong, JR's not good right now. I don't blame the coaching staff of that G League Clippers squad for playing other players over him. Um, but obviously, it would be really beneficial for him to get run out there no matter and another guard coming back, who, you know, if you got recalled, you're obviously one of the best players on the team going back to the G League um, has really been rough for JR. And this is only the first game today. Um this is, you know, the same night as the Pistons game Friday night when we're recording this. Um he only got about 20 some minutes today, low 20s. Um so that was a little rough for him. And then Robert Woodard's role has very much expanded. With, um, you know, I think part of the reason that he looked so promising was he was on one of the best teams in the G League. Um, The Austin Spurs were, you know, featuring Trey Jones, who was one pick after Robert Woodard, um, Luka Simonich, who I want to say was the draft before. And those Mm -hmm. were like the clear one, two guys of this team. Um, And both of them have been recalled to the San Antonio Spurs. And that has led to Robert Woodard kind of being the guy for for the Spurs. Um, and while, you know, I, I'm the biggest Woodard praiser that there is out there, I don't think he should be taking 26 shots in a game. Um, and, and that's what happened not in today's game, it was the second night of a back-to-back, but the night before. Um, he played 39 minutes in an overtime game, shot the ball 26 times. Um, he made nine of them, and, you know, like Will – Genuinely willed that team to a victory, 28 points, 17 rebounds, six of them being offensive. Absurd, you know, uh, three steals. Um, Absolutely ridiculous game from Robert Woodard, but he, I don't think that it's beneficial to have him like creating off the dribble. Um, His handle's shaky. He like post-ups, is he going to be posting up NBA players? I don't know. Like maybe in certain circumstances, Um, Certain mashups, I think you should. Yeah. Like, I just don't... The the increased usage for Woodard being a number one option, I don't know how beneficial that is for him. I think it was really good for him to be the third guy in the G League.
1: Well, there's two ways of looking at it. One is that at some point, if your player is... If Robert Woodard is no longer in a situation that is positive for his development, like he's getting the ball too much... Uh, then why didn't Sacramento already recall him? But on the other hand, he got to play with a team that really showcased exactly what Sacramento should be doing with him, which is use him as a uh, three and D guy and pray that the three-point shot continues to come along. So uh, to a certain extent, I don't mind that a player in the G League is being asked to go outside of his comfort zone or do something outside of what he will be doing with his NBA team as long as Luke Walton doesn't bring him back and start using him as a initiator of any kind. So,
0: Yeah. And, and then in today's game, second night of a back-to-back Kyrie Thomas returned to the roster. Who's a guy that can have the ball in his hands a little bit. Um, and, and that was definitely beneficial for Woodard who only had 11 shots today and a three of six from deep. This was easily his best shooting night. Um, you know, I, I think, Probably the primary concern with Woodard is going to be his three-point shooting. Um, in the games leading up to this one where he went 3 of 6, he had 0 of 4, 0 of 3, 0 of 3, 0 of 6, 2 of 7, um, and, and his free throw percentage has not been that promising in the bubble either. Um, it, total in the bubble, the 10 games, not including clouding, including the one that happened today. It was 18.9% from three on 3.7 attempts a game and 66% from the free throw yes. line. Um, so there definitely is like if there is a concern with Woodard, I think that is where it's um, located at. But it was a really promising shooting from three today. And, and I think having a willingness to put it up because, like I said, only 18%, but you're shooting almost four of them a game. I think there is some promise there.
1: Yeah. Well, it has always been what teams were saying he needed to vastly improve before he could get NBA minutes. Um, And on a developmental team, I'm fine rolling out one guy who clearly needs to improve his shot if he's an intense defender and can do some stuff on that end of the court. So um, I still want to call him back to this team, um, but it is very clear that – his shot needs to continue to develop. And I mean, he's only 21 years old. There's no reason to believe that he can't become an average shooter at worst. And like you said, it's really good that he's continuing to shoot. But we just, even as you and I roll the Robert Woodard hype train along, we do need to acknowledge that there's a reason that he wasn't already getting minutes. We may not agree with that reason entirely, but there's a reason. Yeah. And it's
0: a shot. Right. Um, I, I mean, there's 15 games in the regular season of the G League bubble. He's through 11 of them. Keep him there. Like, I, I, I want him on the Sacramento roster. I really do. And it's too late now. It's too yeah. late now to pull like it he, out. He's not going to get run there. It sucks, but he's not. B Bielica hardly got run in this game until the very end. Um, and what's a difference maker, by the way. Um, but yes, I want to see him go screw it. I want to see him go through the single elimination tournament. I want to see him matched up against Jonathan Kuminga. Whatever. You're already this far into it, you're almost at the all-star break. Just go through it, whatever. Like, I I really wanted Woodard on this roster. Um, but we'll see it eventually. Yeah, we will. Yeah, Patrick says, Man, Brennan sounds uh Sounds like Brendan isn't a fan of this Woodard guy. Uh, yeah, clearly not. Clearly not. Um, no, I absolutely love Robert Woodard. I, I think that, uh, yeah, he, he has a lot of translatable skills right now. And uh, I'm definitely going to be writing about Woodard, Woodard and Ramsey soon here. Um, what else do we got, Brian? Anything else, man? I think. Just the last bit of this bourbon to finish. There you go. Um, yeah. I anyone that's trying to be optimistic about this Detroit game like I praise you you know you do what you have to do and I'm sorry but this was a horrible game from the Sacramento Kings and it was was only nine losses in a row like as far as I'm concerned this is 10 sure technically it goes in the win column all all. yeah um, (laughs) I, I had to refrain myself there. Um. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No silver lining You know what I was gonna say. Screw it. Was the only thing that this game did to me was worsen our lottery odds. (laughs) So yes, it's pretty rough. It's a pretty rough uh situation right now in Sacramento. Um. Who knows? Maybe they put together a decent run. But there's there's a lot of problems. It's not just the coaching, but the coach is a problem. Um, Yep. And he won't be here much longer. No. I uh, don't think he will be. And uh, Josh Jackson and Dennis Smith Jr. should not look like NBA players.
1: The Kings should absolutely go get Dennis Smith Jr. this summer. He would be the perfect backup point guard to De'Aaron Fox. I'm standing on this take. You cannot dissuade me from it.
0: I would very much rather watch the occasional flashes from Dennis Smith Jr. than (laughs) whatever the hell Corey Joseph is doing um very yeah. true <laughs> all right well that's gonna do it for this episode of the king's Post podcast genuinely anybody that has topic recommendations because we are going to be dry right now i'm telling you we're going to get to draft profiles um and i can't tell you what else i'm not going to bring back the is sacramento better than whoever series because i don't want a winning streak i i yeah i'm just not going to do it i absolutely refuse even though i think it's decent content um if anybody has content topics that they want to hear us get into definitely let us know at kings underscore pulse on twitter um brian and i and the rest of the guys at Kings Herald are putting out good content there definitely check out kingsherald.com and check out the patreon to support local independent kings coverage and if you enjoy this episode of the king's pulse podcast Please subscribe, rate, and review, and you will hear from us again in the next couple of days here. Yeah.